0: On this week's Smitty and Mitty Show, Sam Cosentino of Roger Sportsnet joins us to talk a little CHL and NHL. I'm heated. Why am I heated? I guess you'll have to wait and find out. It's the Smitty Mitty Show on the TSMS Radio Network.
1: And now...
0: Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Stunt your 90% of the time, I have no idea what I'm talking about.
1: Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway.
0: The show that's got everyone
1: saying... You're
0: so dumb, for real.
1: With Smitty. What you just said is one of the most idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it.
0: And Mitty. I've been in this business 15 years.
2: What's your name? F*** you, that's my name.
0: This... (laughs) is the Smitty Mini
1: Show.
0: All right, welcome back inside the Smitty and Mini Show studios. Tyler Middleton, Noah Smith here with some mediocre sports talk for yet another week. We will thank the sponsors Dave Middleton Sunlight Financial Life is Brighter Under the Sun. Gold Line Curling, the choice of champions first weekend of may midi Wait, we have another one too we do jack jury memorial dirt yes. Bowl flag football event raising money for mental health uh check out their instagram facebook and uh twitter pages it's I the page. more
2: more of a partnership than a sponsor but
0: we like to throw their name out there as well obviously a great event
2: going on uh this summer that we're going to be a part of uh helping them out spreading the word raising some awareness for that. And in turn, we're going to have some of our uh, logo, a little bit of uh, imaging on the sidelines.
0: Yeah, so all money goes to, uh, for one, the high school football team at Soggy District Secondary School, a little bit goes there, and also to the uh, West for Youth. Obviously, everyone up in that area knows that. So if you are looking to donate, if you're just looking to enter a team and have a fun day, of course, uh, the raffle dinner prize is happening at the Queens Bar and Grill after. So make sure you check them out on Facebook and Instagram.
2: Yeah, and it is the uh, first week is as- first weekend of may as i was saying we're starting to finally get that summer weather i feel are we done with the snow that's I, my
0: question i hope so we gotta be done
2: with the snow because
0: you know what i got so burnt on sunday i went out golfing
2: 27 degrees it got it was, up to yeah it was 30 last it, it, weekend it was
0: 30 degrees when i looked at my phone when i got back i was so sunburned this this complexion does not do well under the sun and then you wake up wednesday morning to snow it wasn't even yeah well, you know what the worst thing about sunburns is? And you forget it every year. It's when the sun starts to go down at night, and you can just feel it. You can mm-hmm. feel the heat coming off your body. Oh,
2: Sunburns never get you
0: right away. It hurts so, no, it so, much. It comes at you so a little bit later.
2: Uh, we got a lot of sports coming up on the show today. We'll talk to Sam Cosentino a little bit later on in the show. We're going to talk some junior hockey, talk about OHL draft, which was this weekend. We know who went first overall. Surprise. We'll talk about the uh, NHL draft as well, uh, some of his picks and rankings coming into the 2022 NHL entry draft. We also talk with Blue Jays, Raptors, and a few other things around the
0: sporting world. And before we get to sports, I, I, this is kind of a sport. You mentioned to me. I did. When? What? Uh, last week. Okay. That, that you think you can beat me in a 100-meter race. I uh, can. Fact. Fact. Producer for Rogers in London. Scott Navarro. Yeah. Good friend. Mentioned friend of the show. That listener. He, that he is willing to record, to, to video us doing a run and, and doing a 100-meter dash and see who could win. And I personally wrote down a couple reasons I am going to win to try and scare you all. Okay, yeah. So let, let, let me read through a couple of these. One, I'm just in better shape. Can you honestly I, say that? I can, can say... You look me in the eyes. And I tell can say me, I am in better shape than you. you I'm not in good me. shape. Neither of us are in good shape. <laughs> but I can say with confidence I am in better shape than you. Okay. okay. That I can say. That, two, my legs are way stronger. No, not true. My base, I spent all winter skating. A lot of skating. My base... These babies are strong. They I spent are thick. All winter standing. Okay, that's not Stand, moving. That's that quite, is. That's, that's, that takes. That trunks, is literally trunks for like literally the opposite of trunks. what we're doing. That is standing still. We're moving. We're trying to move as fast well, as I'll possible. Be, I'll beat you at standing still. Standing still, you could have me. I will give you that. Uh, number three, I ran track in high school. So did I. I won. Our... <laughs> I can't
2: even say that with the face. Now, yeah. granted,
0: I was the second in our relay, but. One guy sprained his ankle. There were like six in. people at your high school. I had of course to step in. Somebody be... sprained their ankle. And and we came second. We qualified for officer of West. Track. With Everybody me. in your high school was on the track team. With me, as our second in the relay, we qualified for Officer of West. Oh, so just I just wanna, like to leave uh, that in there. Okay. Number four, I'm taller. It has nothing to do with anything. Legs. My legs are way longer because I am taller. I, I have a much longer stride than you. E equals MC squared. Did you know that? That, that's what I'm doing here. I'm doing the math. And, and I'm doing the math. And the last one here, I'm just not... I'm a winner. I'm a winner. I just don't give up. That's the whole thing. I will show up wearing a skin suit. Oh, that's not going to help you. I will if buy anything, track If shoes, anything,
2: that puts advantage me. To wear a skin suit. Yeah. You You're going gonna...
0: to be so uncomfortable. You are not going to be able to move. You're going to be squeaking or, with every step. Or am I going to know that if I run this 100 meters, I can take that off? No. No. So those are the I'm reasons. Those are the reasons that I will beat you just... For everyone to look forward to, we can look back on this conversation and say, "Wow, he was right." I don't know about that. We'll see. So let's, since we're going to talk about, we're going to talk to Sam. We'll move off of, of your losing here for a second. Okay. For now. For now. Uh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm, I might actually not get, happen. I might actually get out to a track and do some sprints. Not like happen. I might actually train for this. That's how I'm going to run a twelve-two. I'm going to run a twelve-two down the line. I don't know. I think my best time was like a nine eight five no
2: it was not a
0: nine two
2: you're just pulling this <laughs> world record your rear end man was it
0: a world record maybe no no i think my best was made was was high t- high tens low 11s the, even that's not you're way off i know no that's that's where it was somewhere around there uh since we're going to talk to mr constantino here coming up soon again sam cousin Tizo of roger sportsnet talking about uh the ohl chl nhl a lot of things to do with hockey did you see that the CHL banned this year in the import draft all Russians and Belarusians? I saw quite a stink made by people on social media platforms. Now Elon Musk's new platform. Yeah. And the Musk machine is as, <laughs> as we know it. And I personally am okay with this move. I get it. Are people upset? There are a lot of people that are upset. Why? I believe and here, I'll give
2: you my reasoning to why I think people might be upset. Okay. And the only logical thing I can find in my brain for why you would want to be upset about this is that you could say it's not these kids' fault. A lot of the kids over there work to try and get out of there, to try and come over here, and now you are punishing them for something that really is not their fault. Right? And that is the only argument I could see possibly those, anyone those making.
0: Those are the the logical arguments that I've seen. There are some other ones that are not so logical. That's the logical one. Can I combat it? You can combat anything you want. So, I get that. But the only way to stop this invasion, to stop what's happening over there, is to put pressure on the government. To put pressure on the government, the only way to get to them, besides all the sanctions and stuff that are happening, pull it or... Um, economically is to make the people turn on their government and this could make the people this is just one step it's not it's not the straw it's a baby step it's not the straw but a lot of little things like this that could make the russian people who are being fed multiple lies saying that they are on a peace mission that the world is, is with them this may be saying whoa i, I can't enter the, this draft that i've been working to why it could be a little step. That's the hope. That's the hope behind it from the CHL's But also, perspective. Let, let, let's, let's remember also that a very corrupt government, sometimes players that come over, and there has been a very famous NHL player that tends to be tied with Vladimir Putin quite often. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Maybe some of your salary comes to me. Maybe your family's safe, right? Things like that happen. You don't want to leave avenues for Putin to make more money. You don't want that. Plus, if the players come over here, all of a sudden they realize the bad stuff that's happening, they're putting their family in danger, in grave danger of what could happen over there. There could be some retaliation if they at all take wrong steps. So do we want to live with the fact that these 16-year-old kids who don't know what they're doing are entering into something that's way bigger than them could put their families at risk? So those are the the, the logical reasons that I came up with as to why this this, this had to happen.
2: It was going to happen. It was going to happen no matter what uh, any of us were thinking because the CHL probably had made this decision a long time ago Um, when this first all started with Russia invading Ukraine. They made this decision that they're going to cancel their international events. Russia's not going to be able to host. Russia's not going to be able to come to their international events. This is just kind of the next step, and it's going to continue. It's going to continue until something
0: is done over there. And side note, hockey is actually a really... Big thing for Vladimir Putin. He gets on big the ice, for him, he skates. Big for that country. Yeah, he. Yeah, it is. It, it's where they show their dominance, if you will. And this is a big thing to have it taken away. It certainly is. All right, we'll talk some more CHL hockey here because joining us on the Smitty and Mitty Show
2: this week, Sam Cosentino from Rogers Sportsnet, hopping on the show. We'll talk some CHL, NHL, and everything to do with junior hockey. Sam, welcome back to the Smitty and Mitty Show. Good to see you again. Uh, how have you been?
1: Yeah, nice to be back, guys. Uh, talking a little hockey this time of year is always a little, always a lot of fun. Uh, well, let's work from the bottom
0: up. First of all, how's it been getting back in into rinks, seeing live hockey, or at least getting back to somewhat some some semblance of normalcy after the last two years of really not being able making your job incredibly difficult.
1: Yeah, it's been been a lot better for sure. I mean, on on the one hand, like being able to get into rinks and and uh see live stuff has been has been awesome uh you know on the other hand the job has changed a little bit we're not doing chl games anymore so i'm not getting around and getting that that uh, you know wide span view that i that i typically get uh made a couple of trips here and there and hopefully some more in the playoffs to, to help widen the scope uh once again and you know of course you got the under 18s on tv so that's a big help but uh yeah, really good to be able to get back in the rinks, and and um, not quite as good not being able to get to as many rinks across the country as I as I normally would.
0: Yeah, it's just it's a select now. You don't have to go to the rinks in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the winter. Now you can select where you're going a little bit better. It makes yeah, it easier. I
1: can yeah, true enough, true yeah. enough.
0: How important to your job is meeting these players and being able to talk to them face to face and get a, an idea of their personality?
1: Yeah, I think the the networking and everything is a, is a hugely important part of it because you know, with the job change a little bit, being able to kind of carry that through into being able to generate uh, information for NHL games when the players get there is it's really important. And, and just in general, and getting out and seeing the coaches and being face to face with people is uh, it's a huge part of the job because you know oftentimes you go to a game and you get two intermissions to kind of walk around and see. Who else is there in terms of scouts and that sort of thing? So, you know, with the CHL-NHL top prospects game, I had an opportunity to to sit down with a number of players. Did the same thing when I was out in uh, Plymouth uh, towards the end of March and and hope to get a couple of more of those, uh, you know, live in-person interviews, face-to-face stuff uh, once we get to the NHL Combine.
2: Yeah, we've seen over the last few years here, obviously, with the COVID-19 pandemic and uh, events getting canceled, whether it's prospect games, uh, tournaments, showcases like that through the younger ages up into the CHL age group, uh, it's been tough on players to get themselves noticed as well. Have the kids been eager out there in this last, you know, full year of hockey back there to showcase all the talent that maybe they think people have missed over the last two years?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. And in Ontario, has been you know it's so much different than everywhere else because the the WHL and the QMJHL, of course, played uh, you know a number of games last year. The Q uh, crowned the league champion, and uh, you know twenty four games into the bubble, and the WHL at least gave them some opportunity to play some games. But in Ontario, it's taken a long time for 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 players to get going and to get back up to speed, and you know the quality of hockey is not quite or at least during the regular season wasn't quite at the level that we're used to seeing from the Ontario Hockey League but you know having said that there's still a quite a runway here with playoffs that uh, you know include the 16 teams that are still involved so there is time to to kind of continue that path forward for sure.
2: And we'll get to a little bit of your draft rankings that you've uh, put out over the last few weeks here um, in just a little bit but we've noticed that there is a a lower number of whether it's chl ohl whl players on that list do you think that is partly because they didn't get as much playing time over the last year or so um or is it just one of those years where you don't have as many guys in the chl on your top prospects list
1: yeah i think it's um you know it's always a little bit of both it's never usually just one lever that's being pulled for that sort of thing to happen so obviously the pandemic has wreaked its havoc uh, over here in North America. And then I think it's, uh, cyclically, it's one of those down years that, uh, you know, that for whatever reason in, in Canadian hockey just uh, is, is one of those cyclical things. Um, but I also do think that there's an uptick in Europe as well. So, you know, as one goes down, the other goes up type of thing. So you get essentially have two different levers kind of being pulled, uh, pulled there. And, you know, I think about the 2005 borns of the 2023 draft class and think that, uh, There's going to be quite a return to prominence, uh, especially for the Canadian players. All
0: right, if it pleases the court, I wanted to start with uh, the youngest player I wanted to talk about, move on up. And that, of course, is the uh, exceptional status entry of Michael Misa. And I wonder how much you've got to see him, uh, if at all. And if you have, what are we in for with what seems like a player probably, you know, head to the head and stay side to play in the OHL?
1: Well, I was pretty lucky to be able to get the opportunity to watch him in the OHL Cup final. So if that's my one viewing, it was a pretty good one. You know, Yeah, five points, you pick up a hat-trick in the final. That hasn't been done before in the OHL Cup. And breaking Connor McDavid's record is also pretty special with, with the, you know, surpassing the 20 point mark so all of those things kind of happened for for michael in one game and it was it was pretty awesome to see so if that was any indication of, of some of the things he'd done throughout the regular season and into the playoffs and through the the wild card route to get there then you know it good on him. but um you know if three players are applying you have to think that one of them was going to get it and i think michael's performance uh, there in the ohl cup probably pushed him over the edge Now,
2: we see uh, over the last little bit here in the OHL, um, fans of the OHL get to see exceptional players come through. It seems like a little bit more often lately, you look back to some of the guys that we've had in the past. Uh, Is there a reason other than, you know, just skill that the OHL seems to have more exceptional players than in the WHL and the QMJHL who've had just one apiece?
1: Yeah, probably well, two things, probably the economics. I mean, you know, you have the Toronto area, which is where most of these players are coming from. You have the population too, which uh, tends to be, you know, quite quite uh, big when you compare it to what might be available in the Maritimes and in Quebec and uh, a little bit more spread out uh, population um, in, in the Western Hockey League and some of the big Western uh, Hockey League centres Vancouver, um, you know, Calgary and Edmonton. Uh, But I do think the economics in and around the Ontario uh, area, especially when you get closer to Toronto are, are huge. And that speaks to individualized training, you know, uh, nutrition coaches, skating coaches, mental performance coaches, all that, all those sorts of things tend to be a little bit more available to those who have the resources. And so um, those are probably the two things that the, the the resources in terms of, of, you know, money, to be honest, and, um, and the population of the province. If you were to be giving someone advice,
0: giving a young 15-year-old advice, looking for exceptional status, would you push them towards that or maybe tell them to stick around with their age group for another year? In, in other words, do you see an advantage to playing in the OHL as a 15-year-old?
1: Well, I think so. I, I do. I do see an advantage because I do think that there's enough, um, you know, if you're talented enough to get by and you're mature enough as a person. And I do see uh, some advantages being had. Um as opposed to going back and, and doing what you can and what under 16s or then the next step is under 18. So, yeah. And that's why they're exceptional. They're, they're a few and far between. I think, uh, I think Michael's the seventh or eighth, if I'm not mistaken, and I'd have to go back and count them all, but you got Beckblad, uh, Tavares, Wright McDavid, uh, Joe Valeno, Connor Bedard. So yeah, there's seven, seven or eight of those, uh, those guys. So they don't come around very often. And obviously with the, you know, the, the vetting situation is a little bit different now than going back to when, you know, to when it was a Tavares thing. Um, but I do think that there is some validity to it for, for players who are truly exceptional. And I think you have to have the off-ice criteria meet the, the on-ice criteria. And, you know, that's a, that's a tough thing to see in, in 15-year-old kids. So um, the guys that I've seen to this point uh, have all had that. I mean, everyone can make an argument about Sean Day Um, maybe off the ice he probably wasn't quite ready for exceptional status but in terms of what he did on ice at that age I think he was definitely ready it hasn't panned out for him like it has for the others Um, but uh, I think they've done a pretty good job vetting those players to this point
0: Uh, last one and then we'll we'll move off of the 15 year olds here obviously like you talked about McDavid, Tavares, Ekblad, uh, Wright and Day the ones in the OHL it's probably unfair to this young lad but are there any of those guys that you think maybe he compares to just a little bit, or he he plays close to?
1: If we're talking about Michael Misa? yes, yes. yeah. I mean, having just just the one viewing, it's kind of difficult to, to see. And so, you know, Ekblad's the lone defenseman of the group. McDavid is truly, you know, one of the world's best players. Uh, Sean Day, while well, he's a defenseman along with uh, along with Ekblad, um, you know, maybe there's some Joe Valeno in there. I think that one might be a, a favorable comparison. Um, you know joe when he came into the league was about five ten maybe and grown i think he's about a six foot one or two guy now uh was a slight of frame type of guy you know um kind of came onto the scene late in terms of the exceptional status thing um and so maybe there's a a comparison to joe volano uh, out of all of the the exceptional guys before him
2: now, let's talk a little bit more about the OHL draft, and we'll move on to the NHL. Um, obviously, not just exceptional status players getting into the OHL draft this year. Um, there's a couple talented players around the, uh, uh, the ranks going into the draft this year. Uh, one of them, a teammate of Michael Meese in Mississauga. Uh, who do you like most besides Michael coming into this 2022 OHL priority draft?
1: Well, Spence is a guy I've heard a lot about and got to know a little bit again, watching him in that same game, Jordan Spence, uh, Malcolm Spence rather, but uh, he, my goodness, what an unbelievable talent he is. So I think, uh, you know, if you're sitting there uh, when you were sitting there going into the lottery and there was four teams in the NHL lottery and Misa got accepted, you're probably pretty happy because the number two team was going to likely end up with with Spence. I mean, Hage is obviously going to be in the conversation as well. Um, um, you know, I think there's, uh, there's a, one other, uh, young man in there whose name escapes me right now, but you're probably looking at those guys as being the top four, but, uh, yeah, I think, uh, when it comes to Spence, um, uh, you know, it's, uh, really unbelievable to watch him take over that OHL cup final game early on. Then he settled into his game skating face-offs, you know, offensive zone, time possession, really good. Um, really, really excited about the prospects he has moving forward.
0: All right, let's move to the NHL. Uh, All the conversation has obviously been around Shane, right? Rightfully so. Do you think that that's a a man that can make the jump to the NHL next year if 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 the team that takes him wants that?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think Shane's game will translate. I think Shane is, uh, you know, he's got an elite brain and, and really good hockey sense. And so when I'm looking at Shane, there's probably some things that he does or wants to do. Even at Kingston, with with some of the drafted players, Kormiak and Wisdom, that he's that he's played a lot with over the last couple of years, that uh, he will probably um, have the opportunity, um, you know, to do some of those things at the National Hockey League level that maybe he doesn't do in in Kingston. Uh, so that's you know, he shoots the puck, centerman. I think is. Uh, like in terms of his, his build and everything, all those things will play next year. But I think probably most importantly is his ability to think the game. And that's probably what will translate easiest and allow him to play right away.
0: Well, one thing quickly that I just kind of heard there, and it brings up a question to me, Uh, how much do you take in the line mates to these players when you're, when you're scouting them and putting them into your draft order? Because obviously a guy who's playing with two other NHL ready players is going to have more opportunity than somebody playing on you know, a lower end team. So how much do the line mates, the teammates come into your decisions?
1: They do. They do a little bit, um, but they do in a positive way too, because if you're looking at prospects that you think are going to play in the NHL one day, if you're looking at projecting Shane to do the same thing, then you're saying, all right, he's probably a little bit more NHL ready than, than we expected because he's got a guy like Zaid wisdom who's played in the American league and, and a guy like Chromiak who's, who's about to, to go down that path. So, I think uh, there are some things where, yeah, you are the benefactor, but you're a good player and you deserve to play with good players. And then, you know, the flip side of that is, yeah, it's a little bit more predictive when you're playing with good players as well.
2: Yeah, and Shane Wright, a guy that we got to keep in mind. uh, I hear oftentimes people try to compare him and uh, his situation in the OHL to Connor McDavid and how they didn't hear the same hype as Connor McDavid got when he was in the OHL. And not to say they're the same level of player, but – Shane Wright didn't get the same experience in the OHL that Connor McDavid did, right? He had a few years robbed of him there due to the pandemic. So this is the first full year, really, that he's got in the OHL to prove it. And I think that uh, having seen him a few times just on the TV, I think he is going to be a talented player, even at the NHL level.
1: Yeah, I I agree. And and that's just it. I mean, you know, you look at uh, I think by the end of it, Connor will have played probably 50 more games. Uh, and I think on average of the exceptional players that came before him, who all had that three-year experience at the major junior level, um, on average, like 35 to, to 50 more games than, than what Shane is going to play. And those games are important, especially when you're looking at a guy this year who's playing in the playoffs for the first time. Whereas some of those others had the opportunity. McDavid was on some really good Erie teams, you know, Eckblad, Uh, over there with Windsor um, Sean Day you know I ended up having that opportunity with Windsor down the road too but like I think in this situation those playoff games carry a a lot of weight and this is the first opportunity for for Shane to have that experience
0: so when I looked at your rankings versus some other rankings around the one that kind of really stuck out to me and I know I'm going to butcher their name, so I apologize to him already but at number three uh, Juraj Slavkowski was I close? I think I was close
1: (laughs) Yeah, pretty close for pretty okay. good. You're right, you're Slovkovski, Yeah. Okay. Uh
0: what to you made him so much higher in the rankings than than other places I've seen?
1: Well, I think you know, and when I look at coming out of the Olympics there in, in February, it started in the March rankings for me, where he was a guy that uh, had gained a lot of attention. I mean, seven goals in seven games. As a 17-year-old in the Olympics, he was named MVP of the tournament. You know, the Slovakians won a bronze medal for the first time maybe ever. And, you know, the country went crazy and celebrating it. So I think that kind of special performance against that level of competition at that age really speaks volumes. Now, uh, you know, before going into it, he had struggled a little bit in in the Finnish top league there, the Liga. Uh, Since coming back into the playoffs now, he's sort of picked up that pace of of production. So I think for Uri, um, if you just kind of scout him in a vacuum you really like what he brings to the table in terms of his size and skating ability. But then when you look at the success he's had playing against men all year, you have to be uh, equally impressed by that as well.
2: What about a guy like Logan Cooley uh, from what I've seen a smooth skating centerman, um, some people having him as high as two on their draft rankings. Uh, Is this a guy that might shock you and go a little bit higher than expected, or is he going to fall probably right around, right around where you think he is?
1: Yeah, he's probably going to be in that top four, to be honest with you. And he may go as, as high as two. I don't know if he'll challenge Shane for that number one spot. But, you know, on some of the viewings that I had uh, um, going back to the end of March, three straight games, he was just such a dynamic guy and, and did so many good things um, that it was, it was really impressive. Uh, in terms of that sheer dynamic ability, when you're going to watch a guy he jumps off the page. And I think he's done that even in the early parts of the under 18s here. And I think that's something that will continue forward for Logan uh, moving into the national hockey league.
0: And maybe this should have been a question we should have started with, but for you is Shane Wright, the, the hands down number one selection, no second guesses about it.
1: Well, I think we could say that at this particular point in time, I want to see how the under 18s play out. I want to see, what happens with Kingston in the playoffs. I want to see what happens in terms of the interview process and, uh, and the uh, physical testing that happens at the Combine. So there's still a few pieces to that puzzle to be put together. But I've had Shane at number one all year, and, and I, I expect it to be that way. I just don't think it's as cut and dry maybe as it was a, a couple of months ago.
2: Yeah. And we see sometimes that uh, these guys who maybe we thought were, like you said, cut and dry, ready to go for that number one pick, uh, whether they slide or, you know, other guys uh, show up a little bit more and are ready to go. It it can shock you a little bit. Sometimes I'd be shocked personally, if if right drops below number one, but like you said, there, those top four, I would say are probably pretty much set in stone there. And I don't, I don't think that we'll see any movement in those four.
1: I don't think so. I mean, you know, things, things can change quickly, though, and there's still lots of, lots of stuff to be done here, you know, whether it's uh, Matthew Savoy uh, making a huge rise. Remember, you know, maybe someone like an Isaac Howard comes, you know, screaming out of the gate here at the under 18s. But, you know, I'm looking at Wright, Cooley, Slavkovsky, Savoy, all, all in that neighborhood. Um, and, and again, it just probably just need a little bit more time to, to, to complete that puzzle.
2: All right, now we got a few more minutes left here before we got to let you go. Uh, OHL, CHL playoffs now uh, ready to go. Who do you like in the OHL? There's obviously some dark horse teams. There's some powerhouse teams. Who's your favorite to come out of the OHL on top this year?
1: I think Hamilton. Um, I've watched Hamilton, you know, quite a few times this year. I, I just don't see how they're how they're going to be beat. They're big and kind of old school and nasty on the back end, with some you know with Nathan Stales being able to produce points up front. Mason McTavish is an NHL player, just waiting to happen. That will come as early as next year, uh, even after getting his nine games in the show with Anaheim this year. Um, Diaco Morrison, they they're they're really loaded. So um, I think Steve Stales, having had that experience going back to a couple of years ago with this Hamilton team kind of knew what he was getting into at the trade deadline and addressed some things that might've been somewhat deficient. If you go back to the, to that time in, in, uh, 2018, when they were playing for the hundredth.
0: Uh, and, and just one more on the draft While I'm thinking about it here. Do you get a sense anywhere that maybe the Russian or Belarusian players are not downgraded, but the fact that one, they're not going to get to play at, at the under 18s, obviously they're not going to get to showcase their abilities due to everything that's going on in Europe. Uh, do you think that that affects their draft status at all?
1: Um, Yeah, I do. I do. To what extent? That's really going to be difficult to tell. I mean, there's going to be some teams with multiple picks that might, uh, you know, feel excited about getting a player that they feel has been uh, undervalued because of that situation. So those would be the teams I'd be looking for to to kind of go down that road. Um, It's just so tough to say, like, when is this conflict going to end if it ends does the player want to come? Um, you know, is he going to be afraid to leave home? Um, is there going to be more pressure on him to stay home because of maybe some government things that have gone on? And if he comes over, decides to want to come over, the visa is going to be freely available and that sort of thing. So I do think that will diminish some of the some of the value that that typically we see with with Russian and, and on a lesser extent, the Belarusian players.
2: Is there any big risk to an organization taking a a Belarusian or a Russian player like um, getting involved and, you know, maybe it throws off the dressing room a little bit? Is that something that a front office is going to look at and maybe take a step back here and say, "We'll wait a little bit till this uh, hopefully flattens out? Or uh, I I can't imagine it's going to be too big of a worry for an NHL club um, drafting, looking at drafting these guys.
1: Well, you, you have to wonder, like traditionally there's been teams that have shied away from the Russian players because they fear that they're going to stay at home. And I think that has all increased to, to exponentially now that, that, that the war has happened, the invasion has happened. So I do think that there is risk and I do think NHL teams probably will, ha- there'll be a longer list of NHL teams uh, than previous uh, that would be uh, somewhat hesitant to go down that road, especially when it comes to the first round when your picks are so valuable.
2: Well, uh, that does it for us uh, this week, Sam. We thank you for hopping on and joining us, talking some OHL, uh, CHL, and of course, NHL hockey. Um, And we thank you once again for joining us. We'll have to have you on again sometime again soon. And
1: uh, we hope you have a great day. Yeah, sounds good, Noah Tyler. Thanks, guys. Take care.
2: Curling features all the best of what people look for in a new pastime. Great sportsmanship, strategy, athleticism, and community. With nearly a thousand curling centers in Canada, there's probably one near you. If you're interested in trying curling, you can find all the information and
0: equipment you need at goldlinecurling.com. Goldline, the choice of champions i'm dave middleton a proud sun life financial advisor and i've got some fantastic ideas for the money that's building up in your bank account due to covid 19. make more and protect more visit sunlife.ca dave.middleton listen we all know someone affected by mental health and that's why we at the smitty Mitty show have joined forces with the jack jury memorial dirt bowl happening at 9 a.m saturday august 13th at pearson soccer fields in port Algon ontario A day of flag football awaits you, concluding with raffles, auction, and dinner at the Queen's Bar and Grill. With over $30,000 donated so far this year, looks to be the biggest ever. For more information and where to donate, please visit the Jack Jury Memorial Dirt Bowl on Facebook.
2: Kimberly show back here for the back half of the podcast. Big thank you. Sam Cosentino, joining us here on the show this week, talk some CHL junior hockey and of course the NHL draft. We talked about his rankings there. Uh, always a pleasure to have Sam on the show. Many, we got another about 10-12 minutes here to talk some more sports, dive into some of the deepest and best stories.
0: Of this past week. You know what we what should do? you do? got for me? You know what, what you got we got should do? No, come on, come on. Feed to me. End, to end the year, okay. I, I think we should do a an award show. A Smitty Mitty Show award show. And I think that your exit... Like the Dundies. You an office guy? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. I think that your exit, your goodbye to Sam Cosentino there could be, could be a, a Smitty and Mitty Show award winner. For what? The, for the worst goodbye ever. Oh, come on. I do that once a week. I know. And it's funny. And that topped the cake. I don't know why you just don't do some goodbyes. I should. and I, mean, I was you... looking at you to try and do it, and you <laughs> yeah. just wouldn't. But that's, that's the funny thing to me, is sometimes you look at me to do it, and I look right back at you, and the then thing. you stumble through it. <laughs> here's the thing. The way this show is hosted by the two of us,
2: if neither of us is looking like we're going to take it, it kind of just is my job. Like, it is just default that... Right. I do the ins, I do the outs. I mean you did go
0: to school for this. Sure. I would expect you know how. Sure,
2: but you do a good job of it without going to school.
0: I mean right? you, my schooling was useless. You do a good job too. It's just the odd time. You it's it's a look in your I face do, where I do it's just like butcher it. you can
2: and I can tell when I'm i I'm staring off into like the window right now and you can you're just beaming down <laughs> at me and you can see the wheels turning in my head.
0: It's the pure panic. I don't know
2: how to end this. <laughs> like, how do I wrap this, right? Do I say, uh, I, I said goodbye. I, t- I think, what did I tell them
0: there? Have a good day?
2: Yes, you like, did. Oh my
0: God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do some sports quickly here. Uh, one, two, or three. Pick one. Let's do one. No, three. Three. All right. Kyrie Irving. Okay. Kyrie Irving. This guy is on cloud nine. He is an absolute mess. The Brooklyn Nets get swept four straight. Oh my God, the Nets are terrible. They get swept with that team. And Kyrie Irving has the audacity to, to, in his presser, say that there just wasn't, that people didn't buy in enough. The guy who missed half the year because he refused to get a shot, but other people didn't buy in enough. He was the coach, he says. KD was the coach. These guys, along with Steve Nash, were coaching that team, and it just did, there wasn't the buy-in. What are you talking about? I feel like he is just full of every excuse that he can find. Uh, why in goodness gracious name would anyone have him on their team? I don't know. He's complaining that he he's was... He's a good basketball he was, He's player. complaining that he was left out of the top 75. He should have been nowhere close to that top 75. Nowhere close. Really. Nowhere close. There are ah. some notable players left off that list that he doesn't even... Sure, he, he, sure. He, sure. That he can't list, even carry their shoes. That list, definitely. But... It, He's a good basketball player, but he comes with so much baggage. That's the problem. So that much baggage. The, that's where the problem is. I I would I would argue that the baggage he brings outweighs whatever talent he has by tenfold, especially when he's only playing half the year. Yeah, lots of baggage. Do you see there's, KD? There are some airlines if, that would not take him. If if Kyrie is still on this team next year, I don't. I see KD asking out. He might. He might. The, the Nets have been a mess this entire season. Right, There have been storyline after storyline of things just not going right in Brooklyn. And let alone Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, who hurt himself sitting, apparently, because he hasn't played in over a year, is always saying, oh, I might come back next game. I might come back next game. It just never comes back. You see Fred Van Vliet playing through mm-hmm. an, like Scotty Barnes, rookie of the year congratulations to him plays through a sprained ankle he is obviously in a lot of pain and that's with probably a shot in that ankle he guts through he defends Joel Embiid and scotty barnes plays and ben simmons is over there saying his back hurts they're the the brooklyn nets have so much between the ears around that whole team and that's fine if ben simmons is actually having mental problems if he is legitimately um, mentally stretched to his limit then I mean, sorry, but maybe basketball is not for him. Did you know maybe that maybe
2: professional sports just isn't Tiger for him? Tiger Woods got in a car accident, came back and
0: played in the Masters before Simmons. Before Ben Simmons. Before came back. Ben Simmons came it, back from his Tiger injury. Woods broke his leg, broken leg, his whole leg broken, and blocked. came back and played Masters. in a golf event makes the cut at the Masters. All before Ben Simmons came back from his injury. And, I mean, like I said, if it is something to do with his mental health, then nobody nobody should second-guess that. That is okay. But this is the job. Well, the patience is running thin. Obviously. Especially, imagine if you were the Brooklyn Nets who traded James Harden away, basically for Ben Simmons, and you don't get a piece of him. Mm -hmm. You don't get one second of Ben Simmons. That's frustrating. Okay. That's frustrating. That was number three. Give me number two. Number two, hit by pitch. Chris Bassett of the New York Mets. Obviously, the New York Mets and uh and the St. Louis Cardinals had quite a series over the last couple days or earlier this week. Uh I think it was something like eight hit by pitches. The Mets have been hit I I think eighteen times most in the major it, leagues. It leads the majors, yeah. By by I think five uh, hit by pitches. Yeah. There was benches, the benches this, cleared, yeah. um bullpens cleared. But after game two, Chris Bassett was mentioned in his, his after game presser. He mentioned that um, it's on the league for changing the baseballs and taking the sticky stuff away from them. And this really bugs me. Really bugs me. That's like Barry Bond saying, they won't let me juice anymore. I can't hit the ball as far. It's their fault. You were cheating. Every single pitcher who was using the sticky stuff was cheating. You were getting an unfair advantage over everyone who's not using the sticky stuff. It was against the, it was against the rules. The league cracked down and took it away from you. Now you're blaming that for why you hit guys. How about you become better? How about the millions of dollars you get paid? Wait, wait. How about the millions of dollars you get paid to throw a baseball? You just do it properly and you don't hit somebody. How about you just figure out that maybe I can't live at 98. Maybe I can't live at 98 if I don't have my sticky stuff. Maybe I have to live at 94 so I don't kill somebody. Maybe that brings you back down to earth just a little, little, tiny bit. And you learn how to do your craft. Did the MLB change their balls? They're... They definitely did. Right? That's they, what that, and I think that's where that, that's I not think, what he's complaining think, about. He's complaining about the cold weather and the stickiness and not being able to grip the baseball. That's what he's talking about. Now, can we have a discussion about why, um, balls that the Toronto Blue Jays have measured in batting practice that are, um, at the exact same launch and, and velocity as balls in the game are going into the second deck, but the balls in the game are getting caught at the, at the track? Man, it's, we a, can it, have that
2: discussion. It's proven already through the first few weeks now of the 2022 MLB regular season that the same launch angles, the same exit velocities um, of hits from this year compared to last year are no longer leaving the ballpark. And, that's, and it has nothing to do with weather.
0: I I, I agree. They definitely deaden in the, the Rogers ball. Center. They definitely right? deaden the ball. The MLB has changed the ball. They
2: wanted the pace of play picked up. And I don't know if statistically it is. It seems like it in some games, but you're not getting any offense. Well, by the think way. Think about the Toronto Blue Jays right now, who, albeit I don't think, are hitting as well as anyone thought they were going to, to start the year, they're still winning ball games, but they're only scoring about what, four runs a ball game right now?
0: But their weighted offense still has them about six in the league. They still are in the exactly. upper league compared to everyone else.
2: But offense across major league baseball
0: is down dramatically to start the season. Now there could be a whole bunch of factors. Cold weather could pay a role in all this. Sure, but we get cold
2: weather every the year. The fact
0: that the major leagues introduced the humidor to put baseballs in. Now, there were parks that did that before, Colorado being one. But in every major league stadium now, there's a humidor to hold baseballs in so that you can control the, the dampness of the baseball, basically, how much water is in it. That could make a difference. That could be a huge difference. We had a short spring training. Hitters famously take longer to catch up than pitchers. That could be another reason. There could just be, and then the ball changes. There's one thing after another after another after another that turns into a lower offense. They obviously did something to baseball, but that's not what we're talking about. I'm specifically talking about pitchers complaining that pitchers are going to complain Pitch- that the major Athletes. leagues took away something they were cheating, and that it's going to make them work. That AAA pitcher who has never used the sticky stuff and knows how to control the ball just based off his feel and from years of doing it properly, maybe he gets a shot over Chris Bassett, who can't throw a weird 93 and not hit somebody in the face. Chris Bassett is an all-star. That guy
2: is a good baseball
0: player. Yeah, with the sticky stuff, maybe. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, I think the sticky stuff is uh, its just an excuse, right? Guys are going to use whatever they can. They're athletes. They're competitive guys. They're going to use whatever excuse they can to make themselves feel better. don't complain when they catch you cheating.
0: To, but they're going to. Don't complain when they catch you cheating and they don't let you use it anymore and say that it's their fault. No. You were cheating. You don't know how to control a baseball because you've been cheating since you were four. Four. Six. Sticky stuff since he was six. Maybe. That's aggressive. Can you prove it wrong? I can't, Can you prove it right? No. Okay, we got like two minutes, so can I go to my first, uh, number one here? Number sure. one on my list, Angel freaking Hernandez. What about him? What do you mean, what about him? He's probably one of the best umpires to ever do it. Okay, so here's my problem. <laughs> can't even say that with a straight face either. <laughs> so in in the game that we saw Kyle Schwarber freak out, and throw his helmet and start pointing and saying, you're, you know, wetting that team. You're no, you know, wetting our team. Everyone in this building knows that, that it's your fault. Like, he was freaking out on Angel yep. Hernandez. Rightfully so. He called Angel Hernandez in that game called the worst ball called strike. It was almost seven inches off the plate. Yeah, 6.4. That's incredible. He missed 16. 16 pitches. That's a lot. And I hear on radio and on podcasts well, this is why we need to have an automatic strike zone. That's cocky. Just a day before, Pat Holberg, he missed one pitch. The very first pitch of the game. Then he was perfect after that. This is not a umpire problem. This is not a velo. This is a specific umpire problem. This is there an are Angel guys Hernandez problem. Who and and what job can you perform at 82% accuracy and still have your job? Can you perform
2: at 82% accuracy if, at your job
0: If if and if, come back the next day and still have that job? If 20 of every burger they give me, of every 100 burgers they give me at McDonald's, is just an empty bun, somebody's getting fired. Yeah, and I'm not happy, and I'm hungry. <laughs> but Angel Hernandez can keep his job for as long as he has, and I I do believe it's because, remember when he sued the league? Yeah, that is 100% why. It's still ongoing. He sued the league because he thought there were racist reasons that he wasn't allowed to do Playoff games. They gave him a playoff game the next year. He had three calls overturned at first base. Yeah. At first base. This and, guy is terrible. Well, and that's the thing, right? I'm glad you brought that up because so many people online
2: saying, why don't we just have Angel Hernandez not do the plate? He sucks everywhere. He's not a good umpire even at first base. But why, point. <sighs> Put him over at third?
0: Why does he have a job? At anything, right? Because the MLB won't fire him. They won't fire anybody. Why? In in what league do we have 70-year-olds trying to call 100-mile-an-hour fastballs? It's hard. You go go to a, a Toronto Blue Jays game and sit there and just sit behind the plate and watch. It is hard to make those calls. And the younger umpires have a better chance. They have better eyes. It's just what it is. Bold of you to assume that I can afford tickets behind home plate at a Jays game. You can slip Bold down, though.
2: I can walk down yeah, the stairs walk, and get promptly you know what told I I to head right yeah. back up. You know
0: what I do is I just walk on that concourse behind home plate and just keep walking back and forth, and you can see it the whole game. Okay. Yeah, nobody's going to stop you if you don't stop your feet.
2: I, You're not wrong. Uh, probably a good place to uh, end there I think that's about all we got I uh, should finish off by saying uh, big ups to the Toronto Blue Jays taking the series against the Houston Astros over the weekend um, and NHL playoffs getting started this week so lots more on that coming up in the next week worth of shows here on the Smitty and Midi show big thank you to our sponsors Goldline Curling the choice of champions and Dave Middleton at Sun Life Financial and King Cardin Life is Brighter Under the Sun helping make this show possible every single week as always check out the Jack Factory Memorial Dirt Bowl. We're one of the sponsors uh, for this year's event. So check it out. More details available on their social media pages. Mitty, that does it for us this week here. As always, follow us at Smitty Mitty Show wherever you want and stay up to date on everything Smitty and Mitty Show. And we'll see you next week here on the Smitty and Mitty Show podcast.